0: Good morning, everybody. So good to see everybody here today. What a great day we have planned for today. Well, this, this guy up here, many of you know, Phil Arndt, and uh, Phil and I are going to tag team and do this message together. It's going to be a lot of fun for us. I hope, I hope it's some fun for you too. But uh, many of you know Phil. Phil and Peggy Arndt, and uh, Phil and Peggy have been in our church for years, like a bazillion years, something like that. <laughs> However long we've been at church, almost 15 years, or we've been at church almost 15 years, somewhere in there. Anyways, uh, they have three kids, three adult kids and one grandchild, and two of your kids are married, and their kids are amazing. Their kids are just doing fantastic in the world, and and, uh, Phil is an elder here at our church. He's a Bible teacher, and one of the things about Phil that's unique is he's a missionary, but he's a missionary uniquely stationed in Spokane. And so he, he has been, actually he's been the gamut, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, Phil has been on a staff of a church, of a local church like ours, as a missions pastor. Then he was a missionary, he and his family, uh, in Ethiopia. And so they've been in, on the field, in the country, and then uh, he's worked with leaders throughout the world. So he's kind of seen it from all these different angles and been a part of it. And uh, what Phil recently does is he travels a- around the world. I mean, a lot of it he can do, some of it he can do here in Spokane with modern technology like Skype and different things where he can mentor leaders around the world. But then he has a leadership team. He works with uh, an organization called Reach Global, and they, uh, he and his team mobilize apostolic leaders in other countries, national leaders. And he himself has an apostolic ministry and oversees lots of things. But most of all, when you, when you know Phil, you see he's just got such a humble heart. And to see that he represents us as a church family out around the world. And as he invests in these leaders... They're multiplying their efforts because what he's a part of is helping catalyze movements of God around the world. And so literally, as you or as we as a church support Phil and his ministry, we're actually touching the lives of thousands of people around the world. It's amazing. What a gift he is to have in our church. And so Phil and I are going to do this together. Um, And we are in chapter three of Ephesians. Those of you who have been a part of the series, we're in the book of Ephesians, And uh, we have been in this series. We're going to be in it for a little while. Paul is one of the most prolific apostolic people that we know of in Scripture. He wrote much of the New Testament. Uh, Paul is this catalyst. He's a missionary. And and so I'm going to start with verse 1 in chapter 3. If you have a Bible, you can open it to Ephesians chapter 3. And here's what Paul says. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner... For Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. The Apostle Paul says that he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And we know that he was writing this most likely from a Roman jail cell. And so instead of of looking at his circumstances and looking at his life as, hey, I'm a prisoner of Rome, or I'm a prisoner of the Jews, or somebody somewhere shafted me, I'm innocently accused, and I'm in prison. He says, no, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. See, behind Rome, behind the persecution, behind all of the circumstances, he saw a God that was bigger than anything going on circumstantially in his life. And that blows my mind because I think our theology is often so small. We can't really fathom a God, the God who loves his kids, would ever permit or allow his children to go through hardship or suffering. How big is your God? How big is your God? Is he bigger than your circumstances? Is he bigger than your pain? Is he bigger than your comfort? Is he bigger than your thinking? Is he bigger than your finances? Because God is big. He's able. And he's amazing. Let me continue in verse 2. He says, Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace. ...that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And last weekend, we looked at that, that God brought in the Gentiles, that that, that's most of us in this room, most likely, that we have been brought in, grafted in, allowed, permitted to experience the grace of God and the love of God. But then there's this really interesting phrase, the stewardship of God's grace, and Because it's kind of complicated and stuff. And I I thought I would just pitch this one to you, Phil. (laughs) I'll just take the easy stuff.
1: (laughs) Well, as you most likely have heard about what stewardship is, it simply means that this is stuff that belongs to God, that we think belongs to us, but that he entrusts to us to take care of so that he would be honored and glorified. So, Paul's stewardship of the gospel, going back to Acts chapter 9, was when he had this Damascus Road experience, and he uh, is blinded for three days because he's been persecuting the church, the most severe and angry persecutor that the church had ever seen. And during those three days, God communicates to Paul by the Spirit through another individual, and he says, Paul, here is your stewardship you are to preach the gospel to the Jews, you're to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, you're to preach the gospel to kings, and you're going to suffer a lot for my name. How would you like that stewardship to be entrusted to you? That sounds like a lot of fun, doesn't it? You're going to suffer a lot for my name. But God has entrusted stewardship to each one of us. And so when you look at your stuff as you drive home this afternoon and see car or cars in the driveway, you see a home, or you walk into your home and you see all of the stuff and belongings that you have, that stuff isn't yours. By the grace of God, he's provided for you and provided for me, and he's entrusted the care of those things so that we can use them to glorify God. So whether it's really nice stuff or really kind of icky stuff, God has entrusted the care of those things to us. And through the things that are in abundance and through the things that don't work all that well, God wants to, to, to put on display in the world and to the rest of the church that these are things that he deeply cares about, things that belong to him. And as, he watch, as, as others watch us steward those things, then God receives glory
0: and honor. So steward... Is like a manager. So God has given each of us a a life to steward, hasn't he? Each one of us, every single one of us in this room, have been given the gift of of God's grace and a life to live that we manage it well. The things He gives us, like Phil said, as well as the calling that He's put within our life. Well, Paul, more than anyone else, lived that out. In verse 7, He said, Of this gospel, Gospel meaning good news. I was made a minister, that means a servant, all of us are servants, according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Now, there's a lot there, but as I read that, I think about these unsearchable riches that Paul's been entrusted with telling us about about jesus and yet he says he's the least like of all the saints the worst Mm -hmm. i don't know is that what that means Mm -hmm. so when you think of the 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 the, those unsearchable riches of christ what tell us more what that means
1: well it it you're kind of digging out of a hole to begin with because they're unsearchable that's what they're called so you can search high and low and think about this all day long. And, you'll, and, and what I think this means, at least in part, is that you'll never figure out how rich you really are because of your relationship with Jesus, if you know Jesus. Now, if you look at yourself, have you ever thought of yourself or considered yourself, hey, I'm a, I'm a rich guy or I'm a rich woman? Uh, I imagine if you were honest with yourself, most people would not think of themselves as rich, but God says something very, very opposite. He says that we are incredibly rich with these un- unsearchable riches of Christ. Um, the, the, one of the keys of unlocking this is, is, is humility. It's seeing things with God's eyes in such a way that we're not looking at these things in, in, with, with human or a worldly perspective. And so Paul starts out by saying, Uh, I'm I'm the least of all the saints. Now, when Paul started his ministry back in AD 49, in the 49th year of our Lord, he started out by saying, I'm I'm an equal uh, apostle to all the other apostles, all the first leaders of the church. A few years later, he writes and he says, no, 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 I'm the least of all the apostles. Then eight years later to the, uh, actually to the Ephesians, what we read this morning, he says, no, I'm the least of all the saints. And then finally, at the end of his life, to Timothy, his son in the faith, in, in the year, uh, 90, uh, in the year uh, 65, he writes, I am, I am the lowest uh, of all people. I am the worst sinner who ever lived. And as Paul kept on seeing himself more and more with God's true perspective, and he saw God more and more in reality, uh, it was that it was that humility of his heart that opened up his heart to see how rich we are in Christ. And when you think about the riches of Christ, uh, I've never been a wealthy person. But when I look at what I have in terms of relationships, Peggy and I have been saying to one another the last few weeks, we can't imagine having being more rich in friendships, in our in our marriage, in our in our family life. In our relationships here at Life Center North with other Christians kind of around the world, we couldn't imagine being richer in friendships. Um, Some other things that we feel like we're really rich in is forgiveness. Uh, I have blown it a lot over the years. I don't deserve to be forgiven. I don't deserve the grace of God. But forgiveness has been something that has come my way, that has made my life incredibly rich. Um... And God has provided, interestingly enough, for every physical need. God has never failed us because we have been careful to steward what he's been entrusting to us. And so we're incredibly rich people. And again, if you consider yourself not to be a rich person, you are way, way richer than you can imagine because of this promise from God.
0: So Paul goes on and he kind of turns things now because he's headed towards a prayer. So he tells us about this mystery of the gospel. He tells us about his own ministry, uh, his stewardship of the grace of God, how rich we actually are. And then he says this he says, So I ask you, in verse 13, I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. And when I read that, I, I, that really strikes to the core for me because. I know some of the challenges and the sufferings that you're going through right now and how easy it would be to lose heart in, in your challenge. And I was going to ask you if you would just share with us as a, as a church family what, what that challenge is right now.
1: Yeah, and if I start crying, you'll you please forgive me. Uh, all of us have expectations about, our, about what our lives are going to look like. One of the most basic of expectations is that we're going to live long lives and then go out in a blaze of glory, you know. Um, about, uh, about six months ago in November uh, of, just, of just this last year, uh, I was coming home from a ministry trip, and I got into the house, and about an hour and a half after that, uh, I, knew, I, I knew something was wrong with my brain and something I'd never experienced before. And Peggy had just arrived home and, and I, I said, Peggy, can you come up here to the bedroom and I need to ask you some questions and I need your help. And she said, like, what? I said, like, I don't know where I'm at. And she, she said, so what's your name? And I said, I don't know. Um, what's my name? I, I don't know. Where are you at? I don't know so she called 911 I was taken by ambulance to Sacred Heart I was having a seizure and uh, the next day uh, I was given a a, a biopsy was taken and it was at that time that I was uh, diagnosed with terminal brain cancer and uh, I I have been a you know living healthy and being healthy and eating healthy and working out all of my life uh, everything, I, I was kind of at the top of my life and top of my world and everything. And, um, in everything, in our marriage, in our family life, uh, being here in a great church. <laughs> this is the greatest church we've ever been a part of, and that's saying a lot for someone who's been in ministry for 40 years. And I was six, just turned 60 in March, and it was like this total shock and surprise came into my life. And to be honest with you, uh, if it works out the way the doctors say it works out, I've got about 10 months to live. Um, well, that, that was pretty shattering, as you can imagine. And um, just started going through all these tests and went uh, did uh, brain surgery at the University of Washington in December, followed by months and still being followed by months of... Uh, chemotherapy and radiation therapy and you, frankly you have two or three different options when something like this happens in your life uh, most people I understand going through glioblastoma which is what this is called they just quit um, they don't want to work anymore they lose their benefits they lose their job their source of income fortunately that hasn't happened but I felt like quitting a whole bunch of times a lot of people get mad and stay mad at God. How could you do this to me? Well, my response to that is, uh, God makes his uh, sun to shine on the righteous and the righteous, it tells us in, in, a, in Matthew chapter five, and he causes the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. And so rather than asking the question, why me? The real question is, why not me? Uh, I, I don't deserve anything. I came to Christ when I was 19 years old, and my life was an absolute mess. Bound up in anger and rage and, uh, you know, just like a lot of young men, I had, a, had an, an addiction to pornography, and I, didn't, I don't deserve anything. I deserve nothing. And yet God has given me the grace to be able to look at these circumstances and to be able to say, you know what, Phil, this doesn't change for a moment that I am in charge of your life. Uh, in fact, the, the source of the blog that we have, and you'll have the address for this if you'd be called to pray for us, is in uh, uh, Job chapter 5. You want to quote that one, Mike?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, let me see here. So the blog site is in the bulletin for those of you who would want to be a part of uh praying for them and, and looking at that it says uh it's like when job was talking to his wife right
1: job chapter 2 verse 10 yeah
0: shall we accept good from god and not trouble i think that was the key question mm-hmm.
1: yeah and so that was that that's the question for me and that was the question for job um, You know, Isn't it interesting how when anything bad happens, all these people come out and say, how could a God of love ever do something like that to these people or to me? And yet, when God does good stuff like puts food on your table every day or you have a car that runs or whatever it might be or you you share a laugh with a family member or a friend, how many people say, God is so good, I mean, he, he's the source of all of this good. So we blame God for the bad stuff, and we, we don't even acknowledge him with the good stuff. So I was faced, I am faced with this challenge in my faith of, of looking at death. I'm not being overly dramatic, because this is what the doctors are saying, of, of looking in the face at, at a terminal cancer and, and saying, I'm not going to cave in I'm going to trust my Lord Jesus because he is worthy and because he has loved me and I've received so much that I don't deserve. And in doing so, it's just been really cool to see how God has met my wife and I in spite of a very uncertain future, and we're going to continue to trust him for the stewardship, his stewardship of our lives.
0: All of us in the room probably have difficult things um, going on in our own lives or you you have a loved one where something is a an enormous challenge for them right now and this next section of scripture which is Paul's prayer as Paul looks at his own circumstances and his own suffering and he transitions to this prayer and I think it has the 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 power to minister to your to your circumstances to minister to your soul when I look at these prayers that are recorded in the book of Ephesians they not only come from the heart, but they also instruct us about who God is. And so here's what it says in verse 14. He says, For this reason, now he's praying, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory He may grant you to be strengthened with, your pow- with, with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Here are the, is that word again, the riches of his glory. How's, how is God in the midst of this incredible, difficult circumstance? And, and again, on behalf of the church, I mean, thank you for sharing so openly and so humbly with us. And uh, a lot of people don't like to talk about this stuff. And, and yet, um, I just think it has so much power. How is, how is the Spirit working for you in a in a very real way
1: the holy spirit is so amazing we have such a privilege of having a relationship with god the holy spirit um the holy spirit is i i I thought i had a pretty strong faith but in the midst of all of all of this uh difficulty and hardship holy spirit has met us in really powerful ways Uh, uh I'm one who is uh, who developed this really bad habit in my faith and I'm embarrassed to say it because like I said I have known Christ for 41 years as of last week and I've been a Christian leader almost in that entire time uh, of where I would get into these routines of praying for, uh, for dinner or praying for people and they would just be these rote prayers. Well, I don't have a lot of rote prayers anymore. Um, when I pray, I'm talking to the God of the universe who's caring for me and caring for my family and loving on us. And he, he's just stopping me. The Holy Spirit's stopping me in my tracks and saying, Phil, talk to me. I I am God, the Holy Spirit, and I'll talk back to you. And we'll converse together and we'll share our lives together. And the richness of my faith because of a growing prayer life has just been one of the most precious things i could ever imagine and and this is something i've wanted for years and if it takes terminal brain cancer for it to happen then bring it on Um, relationships with people beginning with my amazing wife Uh, she i i call her occasionally saint peggy because she's had to put up with me all these years but she has just been a source of love and encouragement and support in such a way that i never dreamt i would have so, happy Mother's Day, sweetheart. <laughs> and in spite of being caught up in, uh, in the generational sin of anger and control that God, that God broke me free from uh, about 12 or 13 years ago, the Holy Spirit has continued to, to take me deeper to trust him. And that is, that's incredibly changed uh, the relationships I have with all three of our kids. I mean, we're best friends. We really enjoy each other's company. And uh, so the Holy Spirit has enriched me in, in my life that way. And other relationships as well. I, I, this church has changed our lives. And for someone who's been a ministry professional, again, for a long time, we've been loved on by, by this church. Pastor Mike has become one of my closest friends in life a lot of other people, the Holy Spirit just keeps on relentlessly taking us deeper and loving on us more, and it, it's absolutely amazing because, like I've said, I, I really know I don't deserve it.
0: Yeah. So if you're going through something yourself, draw strength from the Word of God. Draw strength in prayer. Draw strength from those relationships around you. Paul goes on to say, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, and remember, friends, that Paul is praying right now. He's not just teaching. There is teaching that comes through this, but he's just praying. He's just kind of laying it all out there. Let Christ dwell in your hearts through faith that you're rooted and grounded in love, and may you have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth that declaration at the end. And I was asking Phil about this, uh, about he, he teaches me lots of stuff as, as, we look, as I look at scripture or preparing for series. I sometimes knock on his door trying to get prepped for it. And one of the things that you had mentioned to me about this passage, that it's not just a passage we declare or claim until we really understand what came before it, which is the, the love of God. That height and breadth and length and depth of his love. Can you comment on that for us?
1: Yeah, so how long is long? How wide is wide? How high is high? And how deep is deep? Can you measure any of those things? How wide? Well, yeah, I mean, I begin here and I begin here, and it just keeps going around the world. How high? Well, how high is high? Does it stop? Does this Going higher, stop anywhere. You can probe the galaxies in places we can't even see on telescopes or things things that are, are invisible but we know are out there. That's how high, high is. You go through all of those four dimensions of love. And what God is trying to say is, and what's amazing to me is, here's a guy in a prison cell and they're threatening to take his life. They've taken all the things away from him that he loves in his life And all he can talk about is how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is. You can't measure it. And all of us have doubts about how loved we are. (laughs) Don't let there be any doubts. And this isn't just a cognitive or brainy kind of love. He says, God wants you to know how long and wide and high and deep the love of Christ is. This love that surpasses knowledge that we all might be filled to the fullness of God. Satan comes to steal and kill and destroy. And he wins a lot of those battles. But God is saying this about his love. And he's a very practical God. And he says, man, this stuff is real. It can't be probed. It can't be grown. And this is is yours in Christ. And then he finishes up with this verse that's become my life verse. And he says, uh, Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we could ask or imagine. Break that down for just a moment as we head toward wrapping up. He says, uh, Now to him who uh, is able. And then he doesn't stop. Because we know that God is able. Now to him who is able to do. God's able to do anything that he has an ability for. But he keeps going. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, he doesn't stop. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly, then he keeps going. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond, but he keeps going. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask. And then he says, no, there's one more. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we could ask or even imagine. This is the Christ who lives in our lives. This is the spirit who fills our lives. This is the Abba Father who relentlessly comes after us, just like the daddy in the story of the parable of the prodigal son. It doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. It's relentless because he's relentless. And then then he says, to him be the glory in the church. Well, what's the church? It's you and me. And when we learn to accept whatever God puts in our lives and we steward it properly, people see Jesus in us who desperately need to know Jesus. That's one of the reasons why he lets us go through this kind of painful stuff, is because they go through painful stuff too. And when they see Jesus at work in our lives, they say, they've got something I don't have. I've got to have it. May he be glorified in the church. And then he said, may Jesus himself be glorified because he is the Lord of the church. Wow, what a salvation we have. We don't have to hang our heads. We don't have to quit. We, don't, we can get angry at God at first, but then we say, I trust you because you, you're, you have our, my ultimate good in mind and you have the ultimate good of every person who comes into contact with us? Wow, how could it get any better than that? Because we're all gonna die. If you've ever watched the movie, What About Bob? That's what he says. He, we're all gonna die. We are. I don't know whether it's six months from now for me. And we're praying that God would do a miracle because I want to grow old with my kids, I want to grow old with my wife, but if that doesn't happen and God is more glorified through my through through dying by from glioblastoma in the next 6 to 12 months, then so be it. I don't want to, but if that's what accomplishes his ultimate good, I'm willing to do that because I love him and because his love for me is so great. So may, may, the, may, may God be glorified in the church and may God be glorified
0: in Christ Jesus. So what are you going through? Do you... Do you know his love beyond a mental kind of, yeah, I've, God, he loves everyone. Do you know his love? He wants you to know his love. He sent his son to this earth so that you would know he's reached out for you and me, that he loves you, and that no matter what you go through in this life, because this life really is just a hand breath, isn't it? It's just It comes and it goes quick. But no matter what we go through in this life, when we know that we know that we know that we are loved by God, we can then pray in confidence that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than I can ask, think, or imagine because that's the kind of God that we serve. I just invite you to open your heart to His love. Open your heart to who he actually is. And let, let's just grow in our trust for him and pray big prayers. Just so you know, we're praying for Phil. Phil's praying. Peggy's praying. People all around the world are praying. We have not given up. Those of you who have gone through rooted know the, the term double-fisted faith. And that term simply means that we pray to the God who is able to move mountains and change circumstances and heal bodies. But even if in this circumstance it doesn't happen the way we would want and like and pray for and stretch in faith, we serve a God that loves us and a God who is able and a God who is good. Hmm. And we will serve him all our days, no matter what. It's that double-fisted faith where we live in the tension. I wish it was pretty and easy and s- simple with a bow on top for every one of us, but it's not. Life is difficult and it can be complicated and walking in faith has tension to it. And as Christians, as we mature, we have to learn to live in the tension of that. And Pray, swing for the fences, hmm. and believe, and yet know that if it doesn't happen exactly the way we want, God didn't let me down. He is still good and he's still in control. I want to invite us as a church family to pray for Phil and then Phil is going to close us and pray for us as well. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, as a church family, we lift up our brother to you. We thank you, God, for the Stewardship of his ministry and the stewardship of your grace and his life towards us. We receive it this morning. And Lord God, we pray for your amazing healing power, God, to work in his mortal body right now. We pray, God, that, that you who heals, you, God, who can raise the dead, you who can cast out demons, you, God, who can move mountains, Lord, we pray by the power of Jesus Christ for a healing to come into our brother, to heal him and supersede even the diagnosis, even, even the, uh, the prognosis, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus for healing. We thank you for your great love. We thank you for your power, God, that you are able to do abundantly above and beyond what we can ever ask, think, or imagine. And we ask that right now in Jesus' name for, for Phil.
1: And Father, I simply give thanks for uh, the ministry of this church in my life, my wife's life, and the lives of our children because it has been transformational. Thank you for the gift of Pastor Mike and the staff here and, and leaders, friendships that we've formed that have been amazing and continue to be, Thank you for being such a generous God. And I simply want to pray that every promise that Paul scribes, which is recorded for, recorded for us in, in Scripture, that you would apply every one of these promises to every life here who hears my voice and to every life of, of every person in this church. I could go on and on, Father, but you say it way better than I do. And I pray that that would be our experience and that you would take us deeper and that you would open the eyes of our hearts to see how rich and how loved we are mm-hmm. because of you. Excellent. Take the blinders away. Bind the evil one from all of the lies that tie us down and live in us. And Father, open us up to all that is ours in our precious and powerful and loving Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.
0: Amen, amen. Would you give a warm thank you to Phil? (laughs) Well, we wanna wish all moms a happy Mother's Day. There's a carnation for you Uh, on your way out, please pick that up. If you need prayer, there'll be people up here to pray with you. Uh, I hear Minion Day is next week, so sorry it's for your kids, not for you. It's not going to be quite that cool here, but for the kids, Minion Day is next week. God bless you. Have a wonderful day today.